All right, there we go. Good morning. Can you hear me now? So we are glad to be here this morning. Thank you guys for coming with us. Um, the, the sermon topic for today, and no, I'm not starting a sermon right now, so you don't have to worry about an extra long one. The sermon topic for today is, is on uh, blindness, and we had that in our Sunday school class this morning as well, so it's, it's kind of hitting me hard today uh, for the, the whole blindness uh, mentality. And, and are we following God? Are we seeing where he's going? Or are we following our own ways? Are we looking at what we want to do? And how we want to uh, do things. Uh, but we are going to be talking about that a little bit later. Uh, for right now, we've got several announcements. Uh, one, if you are currently uh, doing the baptism class, a reminder that we are doing that again after church today. And that will be just uh, about probably about 20 minutes. Um, uh, and you know where you need to go. The youth go upstairs and then uh, adults will be in the conference room. Uh, this uh, Wednesday and Friday, we still have our regular Bible studies. Uh, Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., you can either do that uh, here at the church or you can do it online on Zoom through the email. Uh, they get sent out. Friday morning Bible study is uh, all on Zoom. Uh, and we are doing, it's entitled the Men's Friday Morning Bible Study, but the, the ladies are welcome to join us for this series. We're having Jack Van Vessem talk about the life uh, and the ministry of Paul. And so we're getting a whole lot of great information from Jack with that. Um, we have our, our journaling, journaling class is this coming Friday at 9 a.m. Uh, over here. I meant Saturday. Uh, the Greek and the Hebrew threw me there. Uh, it's this Saturday at 9 a.m. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so if you uh, ladies, if you'd like to join us for that, uh, they always have a great time with that. Uh, next Sunday uh, is an unimportant day, um, and my mother will destroy me for for saying that. Next, Mother's, uh, next Sunday's Mother's Day. Um, and so that's all that's going on this week, just normal stuff. Next week, starting with uh, Mother's Day, we will have our, also on Wednesday, we will have our monthly staff lunch. So if next Wednesday you want to come up, uh, bring a sack lunch. We're going to start at about 1130 in the DFC. Just hang out, uh, talk a little bit. Uh, and we're doing, a, it's kind of a get to know the staff if you don't know us already, or if you already know us, you come make fun of us. So that's how that works. Uh, the following weekend, the 13th and 14th, we'll be having a camp out up on the north side of Lake Ray Roberts, uh, which is the one that's way that way above Denton. And if you want to come just for the day on Saturday, you're welcome to. If you want to come spend the night Friday night and go camping, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, just let me know. You can e uh, email the church or call up the church and get details for that. Uh, finally, uh, if you've got any questions or want to sign anybody up for uh, kids camp or youth camp for this summer, uh, go speak to Stephanie Edgar, uh, and if you haven't already done so, and we need to do those as soon as possible. Even if you're not quite entirely sure, go talk to her just to let her know that we've got some interest there, um, and she can talk to you about when the deadlines are for that. Uh, and then also we will be having VBS in July from 18th through 22nd. So keep that in the back of your mind because we will, uh, again, be asking for some help with VBS and, and getting that all running smoothly. It's worked out great the last couple of years, and we want to continue with that so we can minister to the kids in the community and tell them about who Jesus is. Again, thank you for coming this morning, and now we're going to have Ron come up and open us up. Let us pray. Our Father God, we come here to worship you, and what a beautiful day you gave us. And Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have together in your name 
to praise you with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And Father, uh, join us. Uh, give us your spirit. All those that are here in the in the building and those who are at home watching on Zoom. Father, we just pray that our blessings will continue and that you will continue to bless us. In this Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand and sing with us. Praise is rising. Our scripture reading for this morning comes out of Psalm 135, where the psalmist is showing the differences between those who serve God and those who follow the gods of the world. Please read these words with me from Psalm 135, beginning in verse 15. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, and made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. May God bless the reading of his word.
Please be seated. As we go together in prayer this morning, uh, we want to remember uh, a couple of individuals. Um, we have uh, Larry Ingram, who's uh, at home still recovering. Uh, Rudy Martinez is back in the hospital. Uh, he's got an infection, and uh, from what I understand, it, it's manageable. Uh, they just need to uh, continue to manage it. Uh, and then Joan Williams' husband, Richard, is on hospice. So be in prayer for these and others that, uh, that we know of. Uh, for those in our senior living facilities, we have Flo Smith, Winana Anderson, Lorraine Bellringer, and Tony Myrick. And our homebound members are Dudley Perry, Cindy Bellmeyer, and Bill Guzzi. Please uh, go to the Lord in prayer with me. Lord, our God, our Father, uh, again we thank you for allowing us to, to be here this morning, allowing us to, to come here together and worship. Lord, we also thank you for uh, little things like uh, the technology that allows those who, who are at home to, to still uh, see and hear and worship together with us. Lord, we want to pray for all those who are hurting right now. We want to pray for those who are need, in need of healing. Lord, we trust your timing. We trust uh, your will. Help us to always uh, just trust you in all these things. God, we thank you so much for what you've done for us and what you are doing through us. Lord, we ask that we would continue to be yours. We would continue to be your children who trust you. We thank you that you will never let us go. You will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we want to pray right now especially for those who are abroad, for those who are doing your work in other countries, so those who are, are spreading your name amongst the world. God, we thank you for those who have endured persecution. We thank you for those who continue to tell others about you, even though their lives are at risk. Lord, we also want to pray for our, the members of our, our military, that they would, uh, you would keep them safe, um, that they would be able to proclaim who you are uh, to their fellow soldiers, um, and so that they would be able to, to show you to them as well. Lord, we specifically pray for Omar Silva, Sean Carnes, Colin Graves, Abner Mauricio, Tyler, uh, Joshua Davis, Tyler McCarty Cogis, Nathan Hayes, Colby Hayes, Devin Guzman, Matilda Pritchett, Jason Maxey, and Kyle Henderson. Lord, we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's sing our communion hymn. Must Jesus bear the cross alone? Oh, 
to the table this morning, we want to be reminded that Jesus bore the cross for us. And yes, there will be suffering in life for us. And the cross that we bear is the one that we do when we follow him. And the persecutions that we endure for following him, we do because he's already done it for us. And we, like him, are willing to go even to death. From 1 Peter 3, verses, verse 18. For Christ also died for sins once and for all, the just or the unjust, so that, the, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, as we share this communion meal, we remember the death of your son Jesus. Words cannot express our wonder and gratitude for the sacrifice of your only son for us. You thought of us as unworthy as we are. We thank you for placing all of the sins of all persons for all time on him so that righteousness is imputed to those who believe in him. As we partake of these elements, we thank you for this gift. In Jesus' name, amen. As Paul wrote... To the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, For what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me, so that whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
Our offertory scripture today is from Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 2. Send your bread on the surface of the water, for after many days you may find it. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen on earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask for generosity in your church today as we cast our bread on the water. Please touch the hearts of those here today and those that are not present to give generously, generously 
so that our gifts may be multiplied by you for the purpose of spreading your gospel and helping those less fortunate. Please bless your gifts and give us wisdom to use them according to your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My son Corbin is seven now, and uh, it's been quick, seven years. But he's seven, and so there's some, some games that he's able to start playing with his friends. And they play these games in, in elementary school and up into junior high, high school. I can remember playing them when I was in the Boy Scouts. But the game is a game with a purpose. And what you do is you line up a bunch of chairs in a large room, kind of like in the DFC, and you can make a maze through the chairs, and everybody goes in and sees the maze, and you're told you're going to have a race, you know, one person at a time to get through this maze of chairs. And then you flip the lights out on them. And instead of hearing feet going across the floor, you hear step, step, and you can just see in the, in the darkness, the kids are like trying to figure out they don't want to run into that chair. They want to get through the maze quickly, but they don't want to actually injure themselves. Well, some are a little less worried about that than others. But they're trying to get through, and so they're trying to feel their way through this. They're trying to get through this. And they are completely blind to the actual maze. And if you really want to get creative, you change the chairs around on them after you turn the lights out. And if you really, really want to get creative, then you actually take all the chairs away. And so they're fumbling their way through the darkness, not actually going to run into anything, but they think they are. Well, today we're going to talk about realigning your sight. And for anybody who's ever worn glasses, you, you know that when you first put that pair of glasses on, you kind of have to, to readjust and it, it doesn't quite look right. Sometimes it looks perfectly, a lot better than it did. But ever, whenever you change prescriptions, your eyes have to, to slightly adjust to that new set. And as your eyes get out of focus again, you're going to need a new set of glasses that allows you to see clearly. And so we're going to talk about how do we realign our sight. And we're going to look at three phases this morning of this story. We're going to cover 21 verses in Mark 10, from Mark 10, 32 to 52. And we're going to talk about three different phases of this and how... Jesus is going to heal a blind man. We're going to talk about how the disciples don't really have it together as far as seeing clearly. But then first we're going to start off talking about Jesus gives out a plain roadmap 
for what's about to happen to him. So turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. And while we're turning there, uh, if you are using one of the Pew Bibles, we're on page uh, 716. And while you're turning there, we want to remember exactly where are we in the story? Where are we in the story? And what's happened is Jesus is en route to Jerusalem from midway through chapter 8 all the way until now. He's been on his way to Jerusalem in the Gospel of Mark. And everything that's happening is pointing towards his death and resurrection. Peter's actually announced, you are the Christ. I believe you. Jesus is now twice mentioned, and he's going to get ready to mention it a third time, that he's on his way to Jerusalem not to set up a kingdom where he's going to militarily conquer everything, but he's setting up his kingdom by dying first. And then he will be raised again. He's not going to leave his disciples hopeless. He's setting out the roadmap for them. And to this point, the disciples have already argued once about which of them is the greatest, indicating that they really don't understand what Jesus is trying to get them to understand. And this is the last section before the triumphant entry. Chapter 11 begins off with the, the, the whole story of the triumphant entry. Jesus is sending his disciples out to find the colt. They find the colt. They bring it to him. They come in shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is, is, the, is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one who our father, uh, who's, one, who's like our father David. And so now we are rewinding a little bit from a couple weeks ago with the triumphant entry and the Easter story and looking at just what is happening right before Jesus goes to the cross. So let's take a look. Jesus starts off, and this is the first scene of our three-scene section. Jesus starts off and says, I'm going to suffer and die. This is what you want your leader to say. No. But Jesus tells his disciples this. Let's go to the text and read what's going on here. Uh, Beginning in verse 32. They were on their way up to Jerusalem... With Jesus leading the way. Now, Jesus has just, as we talked about last week with Scott, Jesus has just talked to the rich, blind, or the rich man about how hard it is for that guy to enter the kingdom because his heart was on himself and not his eyes on Christ. But Jesus is leading the way, and the disciples were astonished at all the things Jesus is doing, especially with what's just happened with the rich man. While those who followed him were afraid. Because if the rich guy can't get in, if the one who looks like he's been blessed by God can't get in, how is anybody supposed to get in? And again, and when we say again, it means again. Jesus has a habit of taking his disciples aside, apart from the big crowds and gathering the ones who are actually following him. He says again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen. Now, I was talking with Stephanie about this yesterday. If, if I could have anything uh, just downloaded into my brain so I just knew it and I didn't actually have to go through years and years of training for stuff, uh, she asked me this question, what I would want. And then I asked her, well, is this realistic or unrealistic? And she says, well, give me the unrealistic one first. I want to know the next 20 Super Bowl winners. That'd be great. That way I can know if my heart can take it and the Dallas Cowboys are actually going to win one. 
what? At least I'll be able to bet on the winner and I can get a bunch of cash out of it, right? So I'd want to know who the next 20 Super Bowl winners were. Or I'd want to know what's coming up. I want to know what the stocks are going to do. I want to know if Russia and Ukraine thing, if that's going to end next month or if that's going to end a year from now. Or what's going to happen with that. I want to know what's coming. But Jesus plainly tells his disciples here what's coming. Verse 33, we are going up to Jerusalem. He said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed by the chief priests and the teachers of the law. These are the head honchos. These are the guys who are the the ruling group within the society of the Jews. These are the guys who you would turn to and say, if I'm going to trust anybody on anything, I think it's going to be them, especially when it comes to things regarding God. And if these guys are going to say, this guy is no good, And that's a death sentence, quite literally. Jesus says he's going to be betrayed by these guys. They will condemn him, me, and put, uh, and will hand him over to the Gentiles, the Romans, who will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Jesus gives his disciples a completely clear picture of what is going to happen. The disciples are on their way up to Jerusalem. By the way, whenever you talk about Jerusalem, it's about going up to Jerusalem because the last bit that you have to do is go up the hill, but also Jerusalem, we, we put things up on a pedestal. And so for the Jews, Jerusalem was the height of all things. That is the place where God's temple was. And you would always ascend to it. Even if you were looking from the Mount of Olives, you could see down into Jerusalem, You'd say, let's go up to Jerusalem, because you go down the Mount of Olives and then back up to Jerusalem to the place where God's temple was. And Jesus here says, here's my map. I'm going to suffer. Jesus is giving the map of what's getting ready to happen. I'm not getting ready to conquer. I'm getting ready to suffer. I'm not getting ready to raise up some great military campaign, kick the Romans out of Israel, and put the Jews back on the map. I'm going to Jerusalem, and the Jewish leadership is going to hand me over to the Gentile nation for execution. See, Jesus has his sights set on suffering en route to his glory. In route to glory, because Jesus will be glorified. He will be raised from the dead. He will be vindicated before God, before man. And he will be set at the right hand of God, the Son of God, and the God the Father and God the Son will be seen as equal, which they are. They are both God. And Jesus will be glorified. And yet, en route to that, Jesus will suffer. And Jesus knows this. This is part of the plan. This is part of the path that he is going to take. And he's trying to get his disciples to understand that. But, going back to my son, sometimes we have selective hearing. Actually, we'll leave my son out of this. We'll go to my daughter. Somebody asked me the other day, 
do you think she might have hearing problems? And we know where this is going. I said, no, no, no. Because once she hears one, two, her hearing becomes crystal clear. And so the disciples have a little bit of selective hearing. They hear what they're hearing is, we're going up to Jerusalem. This is it. This is the time where God's going to restore the kingdom of Israel. Jesus is going to be the king. And we're going to have the son of David, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, sitting on the throne. And we're going to get to be part of that. We're the entourage. We're the groupies. We're going to get to be part of the big shindig that's going to happen. And so the disciples in this next scene are going to say, we want the glory. This is what we want. We want to be right there with you. So let's take a look at the verses here. And going to verse 35. So they're on their way up to Jerusalem. Jesus just said, I'm going to suffer and die, and then I'll rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, brothers, came to him and said, Hey, teacher, got a little question for you. We want you to do whatever we ask. Now, whenever somebody says that, you know something's about ready to happen. You know, hey, can you do something for me? I've got a favor to ask of you. Don't want to say it quite yet, because then you're going to have the chance to say no. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll do you a favor. Oh, that? Well, they come up in this grand old fashion. By the way, um, in Matthew, it's not just James and John, but their mother is actually there with them, and she's actually the one that does the speaking. This is James and John wanting this. And their mother is the one doing the speaking. I thought about doing this for Mother's Day next week, but I figured it probably wouldn't be a good idea. So they come up and they say, we, they replied in verse 37, or Jesus actually replies in verse 36, what do you want me to do for you? Because I'm not going to just say yes blatantly or uh, blindly. They say, we let one of us sit at your right hand and the other in your left hand at your glory. Jesus, we know you're getting ready to be elevated and we want to be on the pedestals right next to you. We're not trying to take your spot, but we want to be right there with you. And if we think some, back to some of Jesus' parables, Jesus is talking about those, those servants who were entrusted with, with the talents uh, or the money, and, and they, they turned it around and, and made more money. And so, and so the, the, uh, the king of the land gave them kingdoms of their own, uh, cities to reign over. And we've got this whole idea of the, uh, there's going to be uh, uh, 12 thrones for t- uh, Israel to rule over. And so James and John are sitting here thinking, we want to be number one and number two. We want to be up there reigning and being not you king, but we want to be at a kingship level spot. We want to be up there, be the head honcho. We want to be it. We want to be at the top of the food chain of your kingdom. And we never do this, you know. We never want stuff. We never want to be at the top. Well, yeah, we do. We do this in business. We do this in relationships. Stephanie and I never have arguments and try to win over each other. We do this in all sorts of facets. Sometimes it's on a minor scale, one person and one person. Sometimes it's, I want to be seen as the best person in, in my section of business. I want to be seen as the greatest uh, the TikTok producer. I want to be, have, have more YouTube viral hits than anybody else. I want, you know, all this kind of stuff. 
But I want to be seen. I want to be recognized. And that's where James and John are at. And Jesus, this in verse 38 here, says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Can you undergo what I'm about to do? And it's not just about him going to suffer, but it's the complete obedience before God that he's doing it with. We remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays, Father, if you would let this cup pass from me, please do so. But not my will, but yours be done. Jesus at any point could have come off that cross and wiped out in Avengers-style superhero-ness all the people who were coming against him. But he didn't. He was allowing those who were weak compared to him, who were nothing compared to him, to do all of this to him. Because that was the path that was set before him, and that's what he had his sight on. Let's continue on to verse 39. James and John utter probably the dumbest thing in the history of dumb things that could be said. We can. Yeah, Lord, you said, you know, can we be baptized with the baptism you're baptized with? Oh, absolutely. We can drink the cup you're going to drink out of. We can do the thing you're getting ready to do. We are right there with you. We are go-getters. We are highly motivated. We are self-starters, and we can do it. And Jesus doesn't correct them because a lot of times Jesus doesn't directly correct the people that utter dumb things to him. But Jesus says to them, okay, you know what? You will drink that cup. And you will be baptized with that baptism. And both, and James was the first one of the apostles, the first one of the twelve to die. John, his brother, was actually the last one. And all the apostles except for John died a martyr's death, whether they were stoned, beheaded, speared, crucified, crucified upside down. They all went to their death, and John was willing to. Just never happened for him. You will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. You will drink out of this cup, but to sit at my right hand or left, it's not for me to grant. These places have been, belong to those who they've, whom, to, for whom they have been prepared. James and John, that's above your pay grade. You don't get to know that stuff. I'm not going to grant it to you because it's already been prepped out. By the way, the only other time that phrase is used on my right hand and on my left hand is when there were a right hand and a left hand thieves on either side of him in his glory on the cross. Now, whether Mark intended for that connection to be made or not, not sure. But those two spots had been prepared for those guys. Not for James and John yet. 
And so, as we're looking at James and John's reactions here, they're not the only ones there. Let's go on to verse 41. When the others, other ten, because remember Jesus has pulled his twelve aside, James and John are wanting this. When when the other ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Yeah, this is a good drama series going on right now. Let's see how much drama we can cram into a couple of verses here. When the other ten heard about this, they were indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together. Because remember a chapter and a half ago, we'd already talked about who the greatest was. Jesus called them together and says, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, those who the Gentiles look highly upon, those who are esteemed and honored among the Gentiles, and you could probably say the same thing about the Jews, but Jesus is making a point here. This is not where you're trying to go. They lord it over them. Once you get that position of authority, you are working your tail off for everybody who's above you. And you're making sure everybody who's below you is working their tail off for you. I'm going to make sure that the guy above me notices me so I can get elevated more. And if you can't cut it with me, I'm going to cut you loose. If you can't do exactly what I want you to do, if you're not going to follow me, then I'm going to, I'm going to turn you out. I'm going to turn you loose. The Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over. Not so with you. One of my favorite uh, scenes from a movie is... Uh, Rocky 6. Yeah, number 6. Uh, I think they, yeah, there's a whole bunch of Rocky movies. But it's the, it's, it's the one where he's actually old and retired, uh, like, and he wants to get back into boxing. But anyways, he's talking to his grown son, and his grown son has been having issues, and he's embarrassed by his dad, and he says, you know what it's like to be living in your shadow, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And Rocky says to him, you know, I remember when you were little and you grew up and you were, you were strong and you were going for stuff and then something happened, something clicked and you started blaming everybody else for your problems. That's not you. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying, saying to his disciples right here. That's not you. The Gentiles do that. That's not the way it's supposed to be here in Israel. Those who are not following God, that's how they're going to do it. That's not you. Instead, here's how you're supposed to do it. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, if you want that place of honor, if you want that glory, if you want that place of prestige, The one who is great among you must be your servant. And servant isn't just about doing something kind for somebody. The servant in this culture is the one who says, 
I'm not going to elevate myself above you because I am the servant to you. And we are in a very hierarchical, structured society. And if you were in a position where you had servants, they wouldn't dare try to elevate themselves above you because society would come down on them. And if you had servants below you and you were serving somebody else, you wouldn't dare try to supplant them because society would come down on you. But Jesus says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you're serving. You're acquiescing. You're saying, I am serving you. I'm not expecting to be served. I'm not expecting to lord something over you. I'm not expecting you to say, or I'm not expecting when I say, go get my shoes, you're going to jump up and go do them. I'm not, ex- I'm not going to have you go do this for me. I'm not going to have you go do that for me. But when you need something, I'm going to drop what I'm doing and come help you out. I'm going to drop what I'm doing. I'm going to come serve you. I'm going to put you in a higher honor level than myself. I'm not going to take that honor. I'm going to give it away. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. If you want to be first, you are serving. And I think we have this a little bit better in today's culture than they would have in that culture. But we don't quite get the significance of service. Because when we see somebody in need, or we see somebody who needs help, our society would look down on somebody who walked by a kid who had scraped his knee and didn't at least have compassion for him. Our society would say, why didn't you help that person out? However, when it actually comes down to it, how many times do we pass by that car that's stuck on the side of the road without seeing if they've got somebody on their way? How many times, and there's a safety issue involved as well, I understand. But how many times do we say, I don't have time to mess with that? Or, that's not my job. Somebody else will take care of it. Or, yeah, I really don't want to get my clothes dirty because I'm on the way to church. I really don't have time because I really need to get to the grocery store and get back. I've got milk in the car. The milk's going to spoil if I stop for too long to help this person out who's stuck on the side of the road with a blown out tire and trying to find cell reception. We don't like bringing ourselves down a notch in order to serve others. And it starts within the church body here. We need to serve one another. And then Jesus says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Because even Jesus says, I didn't come here in order to lift up this great military kingdom and lord it over everybody. My path to glory is through suffering. My path to glory is through 
that cross. My path to glory starts when we get to Jerusalem. And everybody's going to crown me king on the way in. And a few days later, I'm going to get stuck up on that cross and nailed and shamed before the entire city. And so, your second point in your bulletin there. Jesus tells his disciples to set their sights on serving en route to glory. And serving for Jesus has to do with suffering. The, the two are, are interlinked. When you serve, you are reducing yourself and you are suffering on behalf of somebody else. It might not be that big of a suffering. But if you ever go to a restaurant and you have somebody waiting on your table, they're lifting up a heavy tray to bring you your food. They're walking back and forth to get you your drink. They are, there's a little bit of exertion there in order to serve you a little bit. And if we're taking Jesus' example of turning down his throne in heaven to be born in a lonely manger, to live life not as a king, to go to the cross and die at the hands of the very people he's trying to save— then we should be able to say, I am willing to suffer in service for him by serving others. If we want glory in God's kingdom, if we want honor, if we want to be looked at as honorable to God in his kingdom, we are going to serve others. There was a commentator that I read, and I love the way he put this. And I want to make sure I get it right. He says, Jesus' life and teaching turns the worldly understanding of greatness and great works on its head. The greatest work ever done was accomplished by the one who gave his life for others. Self-giving service is the only greatness recognized by God. And only those who give of themselves for others will be the big winners with God. Martin Luther King Jr. said that everyone can be great because anybody can serve. He said, this is quoting Martin Luther King Jr. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't have to know Plato and Aristotle. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. And it's when we have that love of God that we are able to truly serve others. And so now Jesus is going to give a practical example. And the last scene that we have here is seeing clearly. Jesus is going to show the disciples what it means to truly see clearly. Verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. Remember, they're en route to Jerusalem. They get to Jericho, and then from Jericho you grow up the, the desert roads over the, the ridge line and down into uh, the Kidron Valley and then up to Jerusalem. So this is the last leg of the journey before they get to Jerusalem. They came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples uh, together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And in true disciple fashion, Jesus is getting closer and closer to his glory. And they're staying right where they're at, not understanding what he's about. Because what do they say? They were telling this guy who's trying to get to Jesus, shut up, go away, you're not welcome here. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Mark does a little interesting thing here. This is the only place in the gospel where it it talks about um, uh, son of somebody, other than uh, Jesus being the son of David, son of God, son of man titles. This is the only place in the gospel where He's giving somebody a title. And when you say son of, you're giving them honor because they have a heritage. Or you're giving them dishonor because you're associating them with somebody who's dishonorable. Jesus called the Pharisees sons of the devil because they were doing stuff that was in line with what Satan was trying to do, which was keep Jesus from the cross. But we get to this point where he says, son of Bar- uh, the son of Bartimaeus, he, Mark is giving this guy honor who nobody's honoring because he's blind, he's not uh, able to do anything within society, and even the disciples are saying, get out of here. And this blind man, son of Bartimaeus, is saying, son of David, the one who is king, have mercy on me. Keep going on to verse 49. Jesus stops, and we have this word calling three times here. Jesus stops and says, call him. So they called the blind man and said, cheer up on your feet. He is calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, the man jumps to his feet, comes to Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want for me to do for you? Seems like we just heard that question Jesus asked regarding James and John. What is it you want from me? James and John said, we want you to do something for us. Jesus said, what do you want from me? Now this blind man comes up and says, Jesus, Jesus, what do you want from me? I want to receive my sight. I want to see. Keep going on to verse 42. Jesus says, Go. Your faith has healed you. Let's go to that next slide there. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. And so it wasn't just he got his sight and leaves. But this whole thing is showcased by Mark to show us that once Jesus gives us sight, our duty is to follow him. That brings us up to our third point for your bulletin. Jesus clears the sight of those who follow him. And so as we are attempting to follow Jesus, we are wanting him to make sure our sight is clear so that we can continue to follow him closer. Once Jesus has cleared our sight, we want to make sure we can follow him even more closely than we had before. And this whole section is wrapped up in the fact that Jesus can clear your sight. And it's not just your sight of being able to see. He can clear, uh, clear out the ears of the deaf to allow them to hear. And then they praise him. They can hear God's word. He can open the, the, the lips of the mute so that they can praise him. He can open the eyes of the blind so they can see him. He can heal the feet of the lame so they can walk with him. And there will be a point where all, that is all done in full, spiritually and physically, upon Christ's return. 
and we are given new bodies and a new heaven and a new earth is created. And this is our hope in Jesus. Jesus has paid for our sins by his death on the cross so that when we come to him, our sins are paid and we've got a home with him forever. So our take-home truth for today, seeing clearly leads to following Jesus. Following Jesus lets you see clearly. Seeing clearly leads to following Jesus. Following Jesus lets you see clearly. And this happens a little bit at our time, a little bit at a time throughout our life. And so if we go into the DFC and we see that the kids are kind of walking around in the dark trying to figure out where the chair pattern is, and you flip on just a little bit of light, maybe from the hallway, maybe from the hallway upstairs, maybe just a little bit of stage light and that little dimmer, you can just dim those lights up slightly. All of a sudden, oh, now I can see. And it's not even completely clear yet. But now I can see a little bit. And Jesus throughout our lives will give us a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until his return that we can see completely clearly forever living with him. Let's pray. Lord, our God, our Father, we thank you again uh, that you are a good God. You are a just God. And you don't ignore sin. You don't ignore our turning away from you. You don't ignore our, our making ourselves high, try to be higher than you or try to be on the same page as you or try to be on par or, or putting ourselves above, above others. You don't ignore that. But you did something about it. And the Son of God, Jesus Christ, came, suffered, and died for our sins and then rose again from the dead so that we can have life forever with you. Help us to see clearly throughout our lives. Help us to see clearly this week, Lord. Help us to see that we can trust you when the times are hard. Help us to see that we can trust you to take care of us and trust you to walk with us. Help us to see the path that you've set out before us so that we can live the way you've set us to live, Lord. Help us to love you with everything that we have, heart, soul, mind, strength. Help us to love one another and serve each other. And it's in the name of our Savior Jesus that we pray. Amen. Let us stand and sing, There's a Wideness in God's Mercy.
coming and joining with us today. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we do have a gift basket or a gift bag for you in the back. Also, we will have elders up front uh, if you, we need some prayer, if you want to talk over any concerns. If you're not sure about who Jesus is and you just want to know more, uh, please come up front. We would love to discuss that with you. Uh, if you're doing the baptism class, don't forget we're meeting over in the conference room and the youth room uh, right after church. And then we will... Uh, have Mother's Day service next week. Well, uh, now may the God who has made your eyes and let you see clearly as you follow him continue to do so. Please sing this last song with me about how great our God is and our praise for him. Thank you. 